Welcome to Forward Focus. In each episode, we're helping you take another step toward becoming a more effective, well-rounded leader. I'm your host, John Reich, and in today's episode, it's actually part two of a two-part series of leadership lessons from a billionaire. So if you haven't seen part one yet, I encourage you to stop this episode, check out part one. It was 10 bullet points around leadership lessons from billionaires, and then come back and we'll watch part two. So here's 10 lessons from a billionaire, part two. As I mentioned in the first episode, we actually have a resource doc uh, right below. There's a lot of information that we cover. We move pretty quickly in these episodes. Um, and, and the idea with them is that these lessons are timeless, right? So maybe one or two or maybe even all 10 will really resonate with you and where you're at in your life or in your business or in your organization. But the idea is that you can print off that doc and actually review it um, a year from now, five years from now, and you can consistently look back on these leadership lessons and see how they've aged or how you've used them in your life or business. So as promised, here's the next 10 lessons from a billionaire when it comes to leadership and life. The first is, if you can't go get a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James, it may be because you haven't done what it takes to be or attract a Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. So if you can't go get that relationship or that resource that you desire so badly for your life or your leadership or your organization, excuse me, have you done what it takes to attract that type of person of talent into your world? Do you have a mission, vision, and value statement that truly separates you from other organizations? Are you running a business that at its core is profitable and it's not reliant on credit card lines or uh, equity lines. It, is it profitable so you can go pay for the talent? Because talent costs money. When you're really um, paying for proven talent, it costs money. I want you to uh, write this down. Um, you have three levels of talent, okay? You have potential, emerging, and proven. Potential, emerging, proven. If you want proven talent like a Kobe or LeBron, you got to go pay for it. It's very low risk. There's typically high reward, but there's an investment that you need to make within that, within that agreement, right? Potential talent is higher risk. You don't really know what they're going to do. They don't have a track record of success. They, they're not a multi-time, you know, multi-MVP or all-star like a LeBron or a Kobe, but you also pay them a lot less money. So in your organization, potential could be a piece of what your team looks like. And then there's emerging talent, which I believe is the sweet spot. Emerging talent has a track record. They have different things they've done successfully. They're still on that growth plan. They're not quite to that quote unquote all-star or proven status, but typically that's where you get the highest return for your buck in regards to growing your organization while still bringing somebody that's talented into your world. So that's just a little lesson on how you can grow your team into having that Kobe or LeBron type person. Number two, Billionaire's life as a business owner, it looks like a stair step. So I want you to picture like the side profile of your stairs in your house. We all can kind of picture it, it goes up and then it's straight and then it goes up and it's straight, right? Just like stairs would. Every time you have a flat point, which would be the step, right? For you to go back up, what 
billionaires have realized is you have to do something disruptive. And in most times, that disruptive action to break through that ceiling was a new relationship or a new focus. I'll give you an example on this. I had somebody that uh, I was coaching for about two years within our organization. And this person had, they had hit a ceiling of making $300,000 a year in their organization. Great income, right? Great life. Yet they had aspirations to get to a half a million dollars. And so we started working together and looking at their activities, their calendar, what rocks they were focusing on versus what they were leveraging. And what we discovered was, is after doing an audit of their activities, they were spending way, way too much time on activities that were detracting from their big rocks or their money-making activities. So they were hitting the ceiling because they were doing things like uh, typing out an Excel spreadsheets. They were sending Google Calendar invites, right? Because they wanted it to be personal and personalized from themselves to the client. And what we realized is what is with the right hire of an administrative assistant that we can leverage this, that this person is someone you trust that can act on your behalf and be in your profile so it still comes from yourself, right? That you could then go generate three more client leads per week, which would be 12 a month or 144 a year. So by hiring somebody for 25 hours a week, 100 hours a month, they could generate 144 more client leads annually. Two years later, they hit that $500,000 goal. All because they leveraged their time and they focused on saying, what is that next relationship? What's that next step of disruption that I need to do, that I need to take? I want you to think about that. If you feel like you've hit a ceiling in your business at any level, remember a leadership lesson from a billionaire, you're one key relationship away from doing something disruptive to break through. So I encourage you to think about that. Next point, you can't have the right players and have an unwinning season. The right players want to win. Think about that for a moment. If you have the right team that is in sync and working together and they're giving their all in their role and they're what I call they're in their gift zone. So this person's in the right position and they're using their gifts at a really high level. That team can't not win. So if you find your organization year in and year out not winning, however you define that, financial goals, client goals, maybe how much you donate to charity, Maybe you pride yourself in work-life balance that you want to, everybody on your team takes two vacations a year. I don't know how you define winning. That's for you to define in your organization. But however you define it, if you're not winning with your current team, you need to look at who's on your, on your bus. Are they on the right seat on that bus? Could they do better in a different position? Could they help maximize the results by staying within your organization, but in a different role? Or is it time for you to top grade altogether? That's not easy to do. As a leader, it's not easy to do. But remember, your top players on your team, the ones that you would say are my winners, my leaders, the people that you can count on, they're watching you as a leader to hold, to hold a certain standard and expectation for that team. And if there's a couple folks on that team that aren't winning or playing at the highest level and others on that team are, they're judging you as a leader for not taking action with this person. Trust me, they are. They're saying, I want to work with winners too. And I give my all. I'm here every day. I pour into this organization. I basically treat it like I'm leading the organization, yet you allow X, Y, and Z to be in our organization. Why? If they haven't voiced that to you, they are thinking it. I promise you. 
So think about who on your organization you can top grade or pour into or help develop to get all of your players at that A level, at that rock star winning level. Next uh, point, think big, yet go small and trust the dominoes will fall. Think big, yet go small and trust the dominoes will fall. So I want you to picture a bunch of dominoes. It's a, it's a game that's not as popular today, right? But we've all seen dominoes. We know what they look like. And if you have them all lined up um, in a big circle or in a, in a pattern, right? All you need to do is it takes a lot of work to set up a, a really nice pattern or a big circle, right? It takes work to do that. And then once you have it set up appropriately, all you need to do is flip over one domino, just one and the rest of those dominoes will fall, right? I want you to apply that same visual to your organization or to your business. What is one domino? What is one act that if you continued to focus on would be the lead domino for all of your other purpose? The one thing from Gary Keller and Jay Papazan talks about this thing. In fact, there's a domino on the cover and it talks about prioritizing your time and focusing on your big rocks or your big activities. And if you do that really well, everything else will work. So I'll give you an example. If you're somebody that wants to lose 40 pounds, you may say, oh, my one thing or my lead domino is I need to go to the gym every single day, twice a day. So for a month, you go 14 times a week and you're sweating and working out and working really hard. But then on your way home, you stop at Dairy Queen every single time. And a month later, you look up and you go, well, clearly working out 14 times a week was not my lead domino. So you reassess and you say, okay, my lead domino is I don't eat any ice cream. And for another month, you work out 14 times a week and you eat zero ice cream. But instead, now you're eating cheeseburgers or tacos three days a week and you're having beer three or four days a week. So you look up another month later and you go, I'm still not getting the results that I desire. And then you really, because you learn, and you're learning based, you think to yourself, what is the one thing I can do? What's my lead domino? And what you realize is this, that if you grocery shop 90 minutes a week with a key list of ingredients that will keep your diet in line, and then you work out seven days a week with a mix of lifting weights and cardio, grocery shopping and preparing your food, working out seven days a week, you just got back seven hours minimally of your time because you're not working out 14 times a week and you're actually complementing the hard work here with the one thing here, which is your diet. So the question is, are you time blocking food prep? Are you, in this example, are you grocery shopping 90 minutes a week? Do you know what to buy? Maybe your one thing is, I don't even know what to go buy. Do you see how your one thing can get more granular and deeper and more down that funnel until eventually you can't go any more one thing than the one thing. And that's the first thing that you need to do to start that domino effect. It's a very powerful concept once you wrap your heads around thinking big yet going small. The next point, a leadership lesson from, from billionaires, have a relationship with your goals. So simple. Yeah, if you really think about this, it's not easy. Have a relationship with your goals. Um, when I start coaching or working with somebody, it doesn't matter if I've started like that month with them or if they've been on contract with me for two years. When I start coaching with someone in each session, I ask them in different ways, of course, when's the last time you looked at your goals? 
if I were to pull in employee D from your organization, could they tell me your goals in five minutes or less? See, having a relationship with your goals is being able to adjust them, being able to articulate them, being able to uh, share them with others and be proud of what those goals are, and being able to succeed and, and celebrate when you accomplish them. Remember, your activities, those can be adjusted, but the goals are immovable. If they're real goals, if they're a real target, you don't change the goal. You change the people, the activities, the focus, the energy behind accomplishing those goals. It could be as simple as print writing your goals and then having it printed and maybe it's on the dashboard in your car. So every time you get in, you see your goals. Or maybe it's on your work computer monitor. So every time you sit down for work, you look up and you see your goals that are there. Maybe it's on a cork board in your kitchen. I don't know. But part of having a relationship with your goals is having it front and center and, and with you so you can see that. It's very powerful to have your goals somewhere at your house as well because your whole family can see them. And your family is a, a huge part of your accountability. And it helps them better understand and be reminded of why this is a goal of what you're doing. It may be a goal of, you know, volunteering 52 hours at a local soup kitchen this year. Well, that's an hour a week, right? And if you go on a family vacation or you're on a business trip and you miss that hour that week, well, you need to make up that hour at some point between now and the end of the year. So having those goals updated and on your kitchen corkboard in front of your family is really powerful because maybe you can volunteer together. And so maybe you can accomplish two goals. Maybe one of your goals is an hour a week or 52 at a soup kitchen. And another one is more quality time or quality like dad son dates or dad daughter dates with, with my, my kids on a monthly basis. Well, what would it look like if you went to the soup kitchen with your daughter and then after got ice cream? Not if your goal though is to lose weight. See how that all works together? You have to have them written down and you have to revisit them very frequently, at least once a week. My favorite one out of these 10, you can't have productivity without knowing your priority. And you have to have a sense of purpose to know your priority. I'll repeat that. You can't have productivity without knowing your priority. And you have to have a sense of purpose to know your priority. So here's a, here's a great example that I think ties into uh, purpose, priority, and productivity. If somebody wants to um, run a marathon, their priority needs to be fuel in their body to run that marathon, the correct fuel, the correct hydration, the correct clothing, the correct shoes, the correct training regimen um, in terms of like when the marathon is to where they are in relation to the marathon today, right? So they need to have the right activities or priorities to have the productive results of that marathon that they desire. But here's where the purpose comes in. The purpose comes in because you find out that that person's dad was 150 pounds overweight and passed away from a heart attack at 57. And the reason they're running the marathon, the reason they're living their lifestyle in the way they are is because they want to have a relationship with their kids and eventually grandchildren. And they don't want to leave this world before 60. So their purpose is to live as healthy as they possibly can. And the way in which they do that is they prioritize their diet, their training, 
the way in which they view their their physical fitness so they have the productivity and results it actualizes in a marathon it starts with purpose and everyone's purpose is what will drive it will get you out of bed at four in the morning when you don't want to your purpose trumps everything else my next uh, lesson here is do you know and have you clearly identified your top three values if not you need to line up your core values to your goals it starts with your core values. Now, if you're uh, a longtime friend of Forward Focused, you know that we've done an episode on this around core values. And so I really encourage you, that could be a, an action step, that could be your one thing domino, is you check out the core values episodes that we've put on our website. See, your core values are, are something that are within your being and they're who you are and they're unwavering. And at times, it will be a driving factor for you on if you start or stop something, they're non-negotiable, right? So you may say, I'm not going to uh, do that activity because I don't believe in what that activity yields. I don't believe in what it will give me. And so for some people that's going to church every Sunday, they want to go to church every Sunday. It's the rock of their week. And if they don't go to church, they feel out of alignment all week. So a core value to them could be faith and they must have faith in their life on a weekly basis. So they won't go to that family barbecue or they won't go out of town unless where they're going out of town has a church that they can attend, right? That's their core value. Typically with core values too, nobody can tell you that you're right or wrong in having that value. It's your core value. So I digress. Coming back to this point, if you haven't clearly identified your values, well then how in the heck can you line up values with goals? So your one thing may be working on getting clear on your values and understanding, are you attracting the people into your world that share similar values to yourself? The next leadership lesson from a billionaire, and this one's so good, happiness happens on the way to fulfillment. Happiness happens on the way to fulfillment. I talk to so many people from different walks of, of life and backgrounds, and they, they talk about, well, when I just accomplish X, I'll be happy. When I just buy that new house, when I get that new car, when we go on that vacation. The, the, the analogy I like to give on this to really drive this point home that happiness is on the way to fulfillment. Think about going to therapy with a, a loved one or a spouse. You don't go to these sessions, right? And, and even if you haven't been to therapy, it's, it's okay. You'll, this will still resonate. You don't go to these sessions consistently and say, Wow, I can't wait because on session nine, we're going to have a breakthrough and be the happiest couple on the planet. You continue to go to these sessions because you see incremental and marked improvement. You start to see that your couple, your, your relationship as a couple is coming closer together because you're either moving together or moving apart. It's that simple, folks. There's no complacency here. There's no like, yeah, we're in the same exact spot as we were a year ago, right? So remember that journey that you're on in anything, fitness, financial goals, leveling up your leadership and becoming a better communicator, any of these, it's all about it, you're, you're happy on the way to fulfillment. It's that goal that you probably will never fully reach or actualize, but the journey is a part of that process. So this is where that saying, it's about the journey, not the destination comes from. I really encourage you to think about putting in the time and energy and effort into showing up at the highest level 
each and every day in all areas of your life. Showing up, one of the things I like to say when I lead a training is disconnect to connect. In other words, let's shut the phone down, let's shut the tablet down, get disconnected from the outside world because you chose to be here at whatever level. You either told to be or you chose to be, right? So let's disconnect there to connect here because you're gonna leave today ready for this next journey and you're gonna be closer to fulfillment. You're gonna be happier today because you're closer to that goal that you've set. So remember, happiness happens on the way to fulfillment. Okay, next, you can't teach ambition. I see too many leaders and entrepreneurs just wanting a little bit more out of their team, wanting a little bit more out of their relationships with their organization. The, the analogy here is you can't bring in a tire pump every single day if the bike tire has a hole in it and expect that that tire pump is going to be the solution. It's the same thing with people in your organization. You can't come in every day trying to pump up the people in your organization. They have a hole in them. They're not the right fit in your organization for whatever reason it might be. So the tire is not going to be filled until you replace or fix the tire. And then yes, you still need the pump. Same thing in your organization. You can't pump up your people and have sustainable energy and momentum until you have the right people. You either fix them or replace them. It's that simple. The right hires will actually turn and they'll pump you up. That's the biggest key from this lesson. The right hires in your organization, they'll actually turn around and pump you up. It's difficult to be a leader. It's oftentimes a thankless and an energy draining position. It can be, right? So if you don't have folks in your world that are pumping you up, they're filling your cup and you're filling their cup and you have that symbiotic relationship, you're probably one higher away from getting that more in balance or top grading your team to get that better in balance. Now, I'm not saying go and like blow up your team and you know let everyone go and restart. I'm saying really thinking about is the root issue the tire pump or the actual tire? And then the final point, number 10, of leadership lessons from Billionaire. Build a great small organization first. Pour into your people before you attempt to go really big. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you can't run a mile really well, what in God's name makes you think you're going to run a marathon really well. We grossly overestimate what we can get done in one year and we underestimate what we can do within five. I want you to nail it small. Get it done well, really well right here. And as you nail those smaller elements of your business, it might be inspecting your financials at a really high level it might be the way in which you communicate with your clients. Do you have one communication method that's really effective before you add three or four or five more? We know we need to have multiple communication channels. Every study and statistic looks at that. People prefer text, email, social media, phone call, or in person, okay? But if you haven't nailed one yet, why would you try and attempt at five at the same time? Start small. Nail nail it at a really small level, have it so tight and so like locked in that you're proud of the product you're delivering and then scale. Because here's the thing, once you scale, it's really hard to continue to, to say, okay, 
what else can we get tighter? What else can we clean up? If you don't lock that in tight with a small group of people in your organization, you're going to regret it later when you're like, I wish I would have built my organization on stone, not sand. I'm telling you, start small and then scale and blow it up from there. So I know I came at you with a lot of information today, right? So from part one and part two, you now have 20 leadership lessons, as I heard them, from a billionaire in Gary Keller. These are lessons that are timeless. These are lessons to be reviewed again and again. So what the Forward Focus team has done to help you with that is they've put together an awesome resource doc with uh, podcasts and books and different resources that I referenced through both of these parts, as well as the 20 points all laid out for you. It's right below this episode. I really encourage you to download it, to check it out. And I encourage you to revisit this doc consistently. This isn't a one and done type of episode. It's designed for you to look at, go over, and maybe identify a goal or an activity that you want to implement and then revisit it in 60 days. Revisit it in six months. Revisit it a year later and say, wow, here's where I've seen this show up or that's right, I forgot about that. That is a good reminder. I need to get that back into my world. If you found value in today's content, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss a lesson to be the leader you deserve to be. And until next time, lead on.